Hi everybody, welcome to Pet Human Tales. My name is Tess and I am your host. I'm a mother of four boys, two humans, and two English setters. I'm a photographer with a focus in pet photography, and I am now a podcaster. I've brought you this podcast to help share the stories of both humans and pets and the remarkable things that they can do. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Pet Human Tales. Today, I am interviewing Emily Patton. She is the human behind Winston the English Setter Instagram account and Ivy Jane Bandanas, a dog bandana company. Um, I have maybe about 50. (laughs) I don't think that much, but I have a lot of Ivy Jane Bandanas that I use as a pet photographer to photograph Um, the dogs that I work with. And also I just use them on my own dogs for holidays and different special occasions. You can see I used one as a bib for my one-year-old during his one-year-old birthday party. It was a baby shark theme and the dogs had shark bandanas on. Tuck, my youngest, who turned one, had a shark bandana on as a bib, and then everyone else just had um, shark shirts on. I was supposed to use one of the bandanas to make like a little bow in my hair, but you know, mom life and the day got hectic and I never got around to it. So, oh well, everything else turned out great. But anyways, In this episode, we talk about so many amazing things with Emily and her two dogs, Winston and Ivy, as well as her husband. Um, And she talks about everything from how Winston and Ivy came to be a part of their family, which are both really amazing stories, especially Ivy's. It really just sheds light on adoption and what dogs go through before they're adopted and how the transition into your house goes and what that looks like. She also shares about anxiety. Um, She's so open about it and I love how transparent she is and um, I just, I could really relate to some of the things she was saying and I think it will help other people who are struggling um, relate and not feel alone. And she also talks about how she gives back to the community as well, which is also super amazing to hear. It's just a really great episode with a lot of really good information. It's just so cool to hear about her experience growing up in Kentucky and how she fell in love with animals, um, how her Instagram accounts came to be, and just how her dogs play a role in her life, how they help her with her anxiety, and how pretty much just dogs make the world a better place for everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy this interview. Hi again, just a heads up, bear with us for the first maybe 15 to 20 seconds of the interview. There's a little bit of an echo, but it will pass. I really hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining in with me today and letting me interview you and asking you some questions. So We'll just go ahead and get started. Um, The first thing I wanted to ask you is just to tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, your name, where you live, a little bit about your husband, your dogs, all that good stuff. Sure. So I'm Emily Patton and I'm 30 years old and I live in a small town called Henderson, Kentucky, and it's um, on the banks of the Ohio River. It shares a border with Indiana and... um, we think of it as kind of a hidden gem for us because there's just so many things that we can do with our dogs here and we just love being outside with them and um it's super small but we really enjoy it um so yeah i'm married to um, my husband nathan we've been married for two years and um been together five and known each other since our sophomore year of college and um yeah and together we have two dogs Winston and Ivy they're two English setters and we have two cats as well Brody and Britches you don't get to see them very often but um they're they make cameos sometimes on my Instagram account and um yeah I gosh for a living I work in marketing so it's digital marketing 
and basically no one ever knows what that means, but it could be a lot of things, but I work for a sporting goods manufacturer called Escalade Sports, and I basically make things look pretty. So (laughs) (laughs) if you're buying um, a basketball hoop or a trampoline or a play set or any type of sports or game equipment, um, if you're buying it online, chances are um, you've read something I've written or seen a listing that I've put together um, and then you feel confident enough to add it to your cart because of the work I've done. So um, I I do a lot of social media and a lot of email marketing and all of that, um, but it's really enjoyable for me and kind of led into um, running Winston's account too, but yeah. um, Yeah, That's an interesting background. I was going to ask you, is that what you went to school for then, or did you have a different focus and then ended up there? Yeah, so I actually went to school for journalism, and I worked in journalism for a few years, and I I really enjoyed it. I did um, a lot of sports reporting, which I have a big passion in sports, which uh, transitioned well to um, a sporting goods manufacturer, where I am now, but yeah, um, one thing I'm sure we'll talk about later is I I have a lot of anxiety as a person and when I was meeting strangers every day and having to go to different locations that I knew nothing about and just kind of had to wing it every day it was it was really stressful on me um and it takes a lot out of you as a person and the, the hours are are really tough and the pay's not great and there's a lot of uh like insecurity about what's going to happen in your field. So I was trying to transition and um, yeah, I ended up in marketing, which it's a lot more solid ground and um, I feel like I could use all my skill sets for it um, that I gained in journalism. So it, it really worked out for me in the end. Yeah, that's awesome. I can relate. I feel like I would be the same way. I don't like a job necessarily where like you said, you're expected to meet new people all the time or always sort of be on. I know that like I either when I was younger, I was really shy and I would just be not talkative at all. But now it just ends up being like too bubbly, you know, like I'm so nervous to meet new people. I get like overly bubbly. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, was I too bubbly? Or like, did they think that was too much? (laughs) So I get the same way in situations. Yeah, I used to like put on a, and I've realized this now as I've gotten older and like away from it, but I used to like, I guess, put on a face, um, like to get through the thing. And um, I would just like put it on and then like be someone I wasn't and like just go through that and act like super confident and, um, and just get through whatever interview it was, whatever event that I had to do. And then I would just come home and like decompress for like days after and like be alone. Um, and I realized that wasn't the healthiest thing to do. Um, like yeah. later on, like uh, I didn't realize that I was doing that so much um, until I transitioned into a job where I didn't have to do that all the time. And you'd be like shocked about how like your happiness can completely change when you're not being a different person like faking it and then you're just yourself and you get to be who you are and it's just amazing yeah and we'll probably get into this but I feel like when you get to do that it seems like it saved some energy or gave you back energy and then you can invest that and things you're passionate about like you know your business that you have that we'll talk about your Instagram account I find that too like you know, when you're spending less time on stress, you have you whatever you're actually passionate about kind of just pops up and starts doing well all of a sudden. One hundred percent, exactly, and that that's exactly what has happened to me. Awesome. Well, yeah, I always ask that question too, going back a little bit about school because I find that people in the pet business field or whatever you want to call it, um, sometimes they not always actually less common than I thought it would be, but I have people that started out thinking they wanted to be like a 
vet or a marine biologist or some type of um, animal science major. And I tried it as well. I took one science or one biology class and I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it through four years of this. So I figured there would be another way I could work with animals other than the medical stuff. (laughs) So I guess really why I got into journalism in the first place was, um, I am a huge horse racing fan. Um, I have, it's just, I know so much about it and I just am kind of like an encyclopedia. And when I was a kid, I used to just like sit in front of the TV um, and there would be this channel and there still is called TVG where it would be horse racing races like 24 seven, like they're all hours of the day, they would be showing a race. And I thought, okay, one, how can I become closer to this? And I've always been a writer. Um, and then that kind of led into, okay, um, I could be, I could report on horse racing for a living. And, um, I used to collect newspapers, um, from every race, um, every Kentucky Derby, every Breeders Cup. And I used to just collect all of them and just pour over them and read them and read them. And so, So then it kind of led into sports reporting and journalism. And then I I got to go to uh, Frankfurt, Kentucky to work and work in the capital. And there was horse, it was horse country galore. So it just, that kind of is what the animals did lead me into my first career. And um, we were lucky enough as kids that my parents had gave us horses. Like we had horses growing up and we always had animal, like every animal you can imagine um, growing up. And it's just, I knew as a kid, I always wanted when I was an adult to just have my whole house full of animals. And um, so far, that's what I've done. I've yeah. Got both, yeah, we have a little two bedroom house um, in <laughs> Henderson. And um, yeah, we have four animals in it. And I feel like English setters are kind of like, double so really there's like four of them um, yeah yeah um but hopefully one day we'll live in a bigger house and I can fill it even more with more animals yeah I love that and that's um for all of you that don't know if you ever need advice I guess on Kentucky as a whole go to Emily uh, my family and I are planning a trip to Lexington in March and she was the first person I messaged and I got like you know, day-to-day itinerary on what we should do. And it was amazing. I, I ended up, I think I told you, I ended up booking most of what you told me and we have like the whole weekend planned out. And so we're really excited. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm a local expert, I guess on that, but it's just, uh, Kentucky is, it's such an awesome state. I think I'm really proud of where I live, but, um, yeah. And the horse country is such a huge part of it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I love that. Yeah. Well, um, so our next question, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but how did Winston and Ivy, um, ended up becoming a part of your family? Yeah. So, um, Winston, um, he, he's got a fun story. Um, he was our first that we added and, so Nathan, my husband, um, he grew up about an hour from me um, in a small town called Centertown, Kentucky. And every September they have a festival um, called Centertown Days. And it's basically, um, if you could picture like um, like small pageants um, and then like live music and like little craft booths that are set up um, on the side of the road. And there was a man that had like pulled his truck up on the side of the road and he had a pin full of puppies just for sale. And he was trying to take advantage, I guess, of the traffic through the town. And that's why he set up that day. But um, we were in town just visiting his parents and for the festival. And we see that this man selling these puppies and we're saying, okay, well, we're just going to go look at them you know we're not gonna get one we're just gonna go look at one and that's I feel like everybody always says that before they walk away with a puppy Um, (laughs) so we walk over and the pen is just surrounded by this herd of children and one of the kids have this little white puppy in their hands and the man who's selling them just 
takes the puppy out of uh, the kid's hand and just hands it right to Nathan. And I've, I think he was probably thinking, okay, well, there's more chance of selling this dog through an adult than this child. <laughs> right. Yeah, so the kid gets taken, the puppy's taken away, immediately places into Nathan's hands. And Nathan just like looks at me and he just starts like, begging me like we have got to get this dog we I must have this puppy and if you know like Nathan and I this is complete role reversal like this would never happen again but I was like Nathan we are not getting this dog there's no way we are getting this dog um and we lived in an apartment at this time uh, I worked journalism hours so I was I was working like eight to eight most days and uh, Nathan had just um, taken the bar exam, which the bar exam is to be a lawyer and you have to pass it um, in order to become a lawyer. And he had just taken it and he was waiting for the results. And once he got the results, he was going to get a job. And um, I was like, that you're going to work crazy hours when you become this lawyer. And I was like, this is just not, we're not in a good place in our lives for this. And um, he, I finally convinced him like, okay, we need to go sleep on this. Like, let's just go home. Let's sleep on it. If we want this dog in the morning, we'll come back. And the man said that he would still be there with the puppies. And we were like, okay. So we both go back to his parents' house and we sleep and in the morning we both woke up and we were like, okay, we, we want that dog. Let's go get him. So we drive back on these country roads and there's the man still with the puppies and Winston, the all white puppy was still there in the pen. And it was kind of like serendipitous because Nathan has just, they, he was selling them for a hundred dollars and uh, Nathan had a hundred dollars cash um, that he had just gotten for his birthday, um, and he paid the man. And we suddenly had an English Setter puppy <laughs> that uh, we knew nothing about. We knew nothing about the breed. Uh, all we knew about from this man, like we had no health records or anything. All we knew is that he had an accidental litter, and he was just trying to get rid of him. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I don't recommend that to anyone. Do not do it the way we did it. That was really dumb uh, because we were about to jump from apartment to apartment and both worked stupid hours and um, lived in the middle of a city at one point uh, with an English setter under the age of one. Um, and so it was really bad, but um, luckily for us, we lived super active lifestyle so um we we hike all the time we're we're i run we're very active people and um so it did work out and we lasted through um an english setter but yeah so that's winston's story and was um, he a puppy really quick or did you get him home and he just like terrorized everything <laughs> Yeah, so we tried to keep him in our kitchen with a our apartment kitchen. So it was like very very small, and we would just put a baby gate over it, and he would climb out of it every time, and he would go and eat all the shoes. And um, man, the, he's eaten everything um, that we've owned at one point or or another, but. Yeah, he was he was pretty bad. Um, but again, I say that's our fault too because we just we weren't around enough um, during those times, during those bad hours of just starting out as a lawyer and me in journalism. But um, he eventually, Winston eventually got free roam of the house, and which he does he has today, and um, he's great. We can trust him with everything. So yeah, that's his story. And well, uh, a, I was gonna say too, that was a weird not a weird question, but maybe not an appropriate question. Cause I think there are no good puppies. So okay, <laughs> it's like right. a trick question, but like, all that behavior, everyone has, every dog I think has their own thing. Like my dogs were never chewers, but they each have like their own little quirk that quirk that you have to deal with. So. Yeah, exactly. And so Ivy, um, she came, so, um, 
We applied to um, foster first um, through our English Setter Rescue. So it's OESR is um, the rescue organization. And um, we uh, had applied to foster and then um, there was a litter of seven puppies um, that came up and they were asking for foster homes for them. And uh, they had been abandoned in Arkansas and it was late December and they were trying to divvy them all up in pairs and I raised my hand and um, today Nathan still says that this is the happiest he's ever seen me uh, <laughs> and so and exclude like even including our wedding he still says this is the happiest he's ever seen me uh, which I don't that I don't know what that says about me as a person but can't be good and um, he yeah, I raised my hand for two of these English setter puppies, and they said, okay, you've got them. And um, they got picked up from Arkansas and went to Iowa. And then from Iowa, they came to Indianapolis, and I drove up the day after Christmas um, to go get Ivy and Copper, her brother. And it was so cold and it was snowing and um, I was just like so pumped to get them and it's still been one of my favorite Christmases I can remember having those two puppies in my house. It was just complete chaos every day and um, they were so wild and just sleepless nights but um, yeah 10 days after uh, we picked them up. Um, I signed the adoption contract for Ivy and uh, she just got along with Winston so well. It was just, they were just meant to be together. She was like his missing piece. And then um, Copper later got adopted um, out of our home as well. And he lives near Columbus, Ohio now. Um, but yeah, that was her story. So she's got a little bit of like mental scars from being a rescue. Um, but like she, um, she was really, really hungry as a puppy. And um, so she's got a little bit of food aggression with other dogs. Her and Winston kind of have an understanding about it. But um, yeah, there's some things that she just can't shake about um, those first like 12 weeks of her life where they were just so hungry and, um, yeah, just trying to survive. Do you know her story at all or not really? Not really. Um, the, from what's assumed is um, a breeder dumped them. Um, there's a different theories about why that could be. Maybe it was just an oops litter. They didn't know who the mom or who the dad was or um, or what happened or maybe they had health issues or that they weren't anticipating but um, from what we can tell she, ivy's perfectly healthy um and she's a purebred setter and um but yeah when they got picked up from the shelter um they just they hadn't eaten in a while and um they were covered in fleas and really really filthy and yeah there were seven of them so uh, I keep up with quite a few of them now but um, they all from what I've heard from most of the seven is they all have the same kind of um, food aggression issues um, like Ivy does the exact same things um, so yeah it's just it's really sad but but I I just work every day to like have her know that she's like safe and happy here and always provided for and um, yeah, she's got a pretty good life now, I think. That's amazing. I know it's funny. I always say the same thing to Oakley. Like, he has no idea. He's our adopted setter, and he has no yeah. idea what I'm saying, but you always just feel better. Like, it's, I always tell him, it's okay, bud. Like, you're not, you know, no one's going to hurt you because I think there were some abuse issues with where he yeah. was at. So it is sad to see the aftermath. But I'm really curious um, because. I am actually super sad about the fact that my two dogs, I have Wesson, who we got as a puppy, and then Oakley, who we adopted a year later, they actually don't connect very well. But, um, okay. you know, with ad adoption, we were committed to Oakley re regardless. Of course, if they would have started fighting or something, that'd be a different story. But you can just tell they're just like they could do without each other. Like they survive yeah. together, but they're just like, eh. 
I'm okay with or without you. So what did you notice with Ivy and Winston that made you feel like they had a connection or that she was his missing piece? Yeah. So I used to, um, I watch videos back now. Um, uh, cause I, you know, I feel like I'm always like documenting them, like everything they do, like every yawn, every sneeze, I'm just like recording or taking pictures. But, um, I watched the videos back and there's Copper and Ivy and Winston. And it's like every playing moment, um, it's always Ivy and Winston and like copper was always like that third wheel. And like, <laughs> I know, and it's kind of sad, but, um, she would be like tug of warring with Winston. And then, um, like, this is something that I put on the, the Winstagram a lot is, um, setters and bathrooms. Um, like in the mornings, Winston always comes and sees me in the bathroom while I'm getting ready. And he just kind of like watches me and like sits and or he tries to play. And like Ivy just would do it with him every morning. She would just go in and sit with him and watch me. And, and like Copper never, he never did that. He was always somewhere else and he wasn't super concerned about it. And um, yeah, they just connected and there was one time where, and Winston never cuddles. He's super concerned about his space. And uh, one thing about setters is you find that they're like so unique in their personalities, but he's so concerned about his space, but um, he would cuddle with Ivy when she was a puppy. And um, it was just crazy. Um, and we were, I was just like shocked that this was happening, but yeah, they just uh, fit together really well. And it just kind of made sense. And, um, when you're a foster, um, you kind of, you get the chance to like have first dibs on, on the dog that you have if, because it's in your home and you're with it. And, um, it would just be one less move too. Um, so they OESR asked if I wanted to adopt her and it was, I like said to Nathan, I was like, when am I ever going to have this chance again to yeah. have this, puppy in my home that gets along so well with Winston I've seen this before or I've seen or I've never seen this before and here she is and uh so we were just like it's it's a no-brainer um let's let's do it so yeah and I've it's a great decision so I'm glad glad she's with us that's amazing I love that story I know I think that is so amazing. You got to see, you know, beforehand, before you even committed to her since you were fostering, if they got along. And like you said, that situation only comes around, you know, once, sometimes in a lifetime. So, so cool. Um, okay. So now to get to, I, I'm assuming, I mean, this is how I know you, what everyone knows you for. So can you tell us a little bit about your Instagram account and how, that got started um and then also a little bit about your dog bandana business which you also run um and how those all came to be yeah sure um so gosh i had to do some self-reflecting on this um but i so when i was working my journalism job i was working at a magazine and uh you can hear winston drinking in the background probably but um, <laughs> Yeah, but I was working at a journalism job and I had the opportunity to interview um, Little Bub's owner. So um, her Little Bub's dude, Mike is his name. And uh, if you don't know who Little Bub is, um, she's this famous feline who's got probably more than three million followers on Instagram and oh then three million on Facebook and uh, she's a special needs cat, um, who, uh, Mike, uh, found in, or his friend found in a tool shed and, um, Mike adopted her. And, um, anyways, she, because she's so unique in her characteristics, um, she became famous, um, why hugely famous. And, um, so she, little bub is ac actually lives uh, very close to us. Um, and she lives in Bloomington, Indiana. And, um, so I was interviewing him for a story kind of all about how it got started and everything. And, 
Um, and little bub actually just passed away maybe a week ago or so, um, which is really sad. Um, but I, yeah, I was reflecting back on this interview and he was so cool and casual, like the whole time we were talking and, uh, he basically said like, what's the point of this platform if I'm not doing something good out of it? And, um, his whole inspiration for having this account was to raise money for pets with special needs and um so that kind of like resonated with me um that this guy who has a cat that was in a tool shed and now he's doing good with it it all just kind of like was working around in my brain and um yeah and then Winston like came into my life literally two months after that conversation and this was back when people didn't really have uh, pets like pet accounts so this was four more than four years ago and i don't feel like it was as popular back then as it is now now it's like if you have a dog and you don't have a pet account do you really have a dog you know yeah, it's like, so true it is so common now uh, to have one but like four years ago i felt like no one did and I felt really taboo about it and I was really embarrassed about it um so I created it uh created a Instagram account just to of Winston's baby pictures and I I started it right when I got him as a puppy and uh yeah and then it's so weird because I look back at those first posts and some of the people who liked those first posts still follow us today um and we become really really good friends but so i just kind of started the account and i kept kept it up and then um it really took off when ivy and ivy and copper came into the picture um i think because they were just like so cute and you know you could not help but like them um because of how cute they were but um it's really turned into kind of a creative outlet for me um like I said, I'm, I love to write and I'm a writer. So I, I do a lot of long form captions and, um, I, you know, I take a lot of pictures and, um, it's kind of also a marketing tool, I guess. I, I call it a sandbox in a way where I get to play around, um, with like marketing ideas and like, it sounds weird, but I treat Winston and Ivy like a brand. Um, so they are a brand and I am like basically pushing these little promotions every day with them. And I, what I get, to, I get to play with it on their account where there's no risk and then I can see what works and then take it to my real life job and try it there. Um, so it's, it's been a way to, to learn so much about social media as well. Um, yeah. And it's been really, really fun. Um, and then the bandana business. So Ivy Jane bandanas. Um, my mom and I, uh, we, we run it. And it kind of started with, um, I went to a store and I was trying to buy dog bandanas for their birthdays. And everything was $19 and up. And what you were getting were just like a single uh, piece of fabric that you could see through and and I was like this is so expensive for something so cheaply made and then I also would go on Etsy and I would try to um, buy bandanas off of there and it was like 30 bucks um, for bandanas and I was like this is ridiculous um, and you would get them and they would be like a tiny tiny triangle um, and so I said to my mom one day, I was like, I think we could do this. Like, I think um, that we could start our own. And and with Winston, he, he has a little bit of a following. Maybe I could get people to his supporters to buy them. And kind of like an influencer, um, in a sense. And, and I work with influencers at work. And I was just like, I just want to test it. I want to see if it could happen. And um, it was also a way over winter where we could occupy ourselves. Um, Kentucky winters uh, kind of suck sometimes. It gets dark so early and 
I'm the type of person where I have to stay busy. Um, and yeah, we just did it. Uh, I think the weekend before Thanksgiving, uh, last year. Um, and we were like, let's just do it. Um, and try it. And we went to Walmart and bought like 40 bucks worth of supplies. And, um, we even like spending the 40 bucks. I remember us being like, Oh my gosh, what are we getting ourselves into? <laughs> this is crazy. Um, then you feel like you have we, to do it too. You're like, Oh, we just spent this money. We have to go through with it now. Yeah, we have to make something. Yeah. So yeah. we, we figured it out and we made a couple and, and they sold and we were kind of expecting it just to go through Christmas um, because, you know, we thought people would buy for the holiday and then it ended up going through Valentine's Day and then Easter <laughs> and then 4th of July and Labor Day and it, yeah, and it's gone uh, more than a year now. So, yeah, we're still in it and we've sold almost 1,500 dog bandanas and so... Uh -huh. Yeah, it's been. I feel like I might have like 500 of those 1500 <laughs> because of my pet photography business. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, we we love it. Um, yeah, it's and it's been a it's been a lot of hard work. Um, it's kind of like having a second job. Um, so I don't recommend it for everyone, but yeah, it's been. It's been awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I just work really hard at it. And uh, it's just been so fun to see like these dogs that because just as people have fallen in love with Winston and Ivy, I've fallen in love with their dogs too. And uh, it's really like a community. And yeah, and to see these dogs wearing something that I created and it's just, it's so cool. Um, so it's been a really fun thing to do. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, for those who don't follow you, I love that you're always coming up with like new prints and new designs and all joking aside, I, I probably do maybe have like 60 bandanas just because they are all so different. My, um, clients whenever I get my dog bandanas out are like what is wrong with you do you have a, a bandana problem but it is nice just such variety and holidays and so it's a way I'm not a huge fan of like dog clothing I guess just because my dogs would never tolerate it um, if I even tried and so the bandana is a nice way for you to get your human kind of fix for holiday <laughs> celebration or whatever it may be and have them looking cute um, and you started making the collar ones too which I was so excited about because my dogs always scratch them off like it never fails and so the ones we slide on their collars have been amazing so yeah, and we pride ourselves on being affordable and but with like exceptional quality. Um, and it's it's also a really good way for us to give back to a lot of local rescues. Um, and if we yeah, it's just something that um, I see it as a win-win for us and for rescues. And it, it's just been a really cool experiment, really. That's so far working out. So we'll see how long it can go. Yeah. And they, I mean, it is getting so popular. There's some prints I want. And I remember you've told me like, Hey, I saw you wanted this print. Like, I think it's going to go fast. And it does. I, I remember like I was watching Etsy and it was like, there's one more left and I bought it so fast. So that's amazing. I mean, like you said, good quality. You can't find things really anymore that are affordable and good quality both at the same time. So that just, you know, says something. So yeah. well, thank you. Yeah, I wanted to ask you too. So did your mom have a history of sewing? Does she sew all of these by hand, like by sewing machine hand? How does that work? Yeah, so we sew them um, with a sewing machine. Um, and yeah, I just, gosh, it's something that's just been around in my family for, uh, gosh, for as long as I can remember, just kind of making different, like clothing or different things or um, if there was ever anything wrong um, with a piece of clothing, well, let's just fix it or um, it's always been kind of a resourceful thing that has just been brought up in my family um, to know and to do and yeah. That's awesome. I think that 
makes it to like makes a brand as well. I post a lot that I'm a huge fan of fair trade. And I think in this day and age, there's something to say for things that are homemade anymore. They just feel, I don't know, a little bit more special anymore. So love that. Um, so moving on a little bit here, um, I just wanted to see, and I, this wasn't anything you and I talked about before, but um, do you have just really quick while I have you like five, maybe four or five tips for someone who wants to maybe start an Instagram account like Winston's? Um, I wanted to tell you as well, I don't even know if you know this, but when I started following you, that was when I kind of got my photography bug. And I had seen some of your photos and I loved the quality of them. So you were actually the first person I reached out to about what type of camera to get. And I ended up buying the one that you told me to get. So you are the reason I have a photography business. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. No, no, and I think that's so cool because I think social media can get overwhelming. And, you know, for me, I have to watch how much I'm on it because I can um, get like a little too involved in it, I guess, or just checking it too much. So, um, I think it's for people who aren't sure if they want to start an account or not. I think it's good to know that sometimes you influence people in ways you don't even know you're influencing them. So I tend to find that there are more positives than negatives with, you know, starting an account if you're looking to inspire people. So what are some of your quick tips for that? Yeah. So, Along with that point real quick, um, yeah, some people um, with social media, it can be really harmful um, just with your mental health, um, with comparisons and um, like seeing someone go to like Europe and then you're like, oh, well, I'm not in Europe right now. And then like we're seeing a beautiful person and then you look at yourself and you're like, well, I don't look like that. Uh, So it can be harmful, but the important thing is to like separate that. And, um, if you are feeling that way, then, you know, limit your screen time with it. Um, but yeah, we definitely, there's been so many positives for me out of it, um, where I've been able to meet these fantastic people and, um, and then there, it's such a special community too, where, there's, you know, these people have followed um, Winston and my family um, for four plus years. And so they've seen us go from living in these this tiny apartment, just dating, and then us getting engaged, and then us getting married, and then us buying a house and, you know, adding to our family. So they've really been there for us in these life events, too. Um, and that's just really cool. Um, and if there's a bad day, uh, these people, um, are there for me and I've, I've met a lot of them in real life. Um, I've traveled to meet these people and they've traveled to meet me and, um, it really connects people, uh, across the world, um, which is amazing, but yeah, so that was an aside, but yeah, some <laughs> tips for starting your account. So, I always say that um, content is queen. So I know the saying is content is king, but we're feminists over here. So uh, (laughs) content is queen. So um, you've got to have good content. So make sure your photos are wonderful. And I actually, I don't have a photo background, which is is crazy that you're complimenting my photography. I feel so honored about that. But Um, Yeah, so make sure your photos are stellar. It is a photography platform after all. And um, then, you know, I feel like people overlook the caption, but I I don't. I feel like that is one of the most important pieces and how you can connect um, your audience. So you got to make sure that um, you have the photo and the words to go with it and um, post daily. Um, A lot of people, they start these dog accounts and they're really active for like two weeks and then they just forget about it um and yeah you gotta post daily to keep um engaging people and um i would say that you like other people's accounts um comment um to get engagement you have to engage with other people and 
yeah, I feel like everyone wants to be a, a pup influencer. They want to be a, a dog influencer now. And it, it's totally possible. Um, so the cool thing about like our situation, and it still blows my mind is that almost every day I come home and there's something on my doorstep that someone like an, a company, a real company has sent me. Um, and they want us to say something about it um, on our Instagram account. And that's wild to me that that is happening. But um, yeah, it, it's possible. And if you want it, you just you've got to keep your content up, you got to engage with other people. And, um, and just like, you know, you can read about it too. Um, it's always changing. But um, yeah, and then the last tip I'll say is that um, you have to be yourself. Uh, you can't be anyone else. Um, so I feel like we we are unique in ourselves. And I am so silly on this account some days. Um, I do the most weird things, but but it's just what it's what is happening in our family. Like we are ridiculous, and um, yeah. And there was a time that like Winston Ivy brought in a raccoon skull into my house and uh, and like in my living room floor and I'm showing it and then a time that Ivy brought in a dead squirrel and I'm showing it and it's just like that has probably happened to somebody else and it's relatable like these weird moments where it's like not that pretty um but people understand that so just be yourself and other people will connect to it and they'll they'll want more of it. Yeah, I love that. I really, any more, like you said, with mental health for everyone, I love any account that shows the good days and the bad. And that's true with dogs too. I mean, just because we love our dogs so much, just like children, they're not perfect, you know, and they aren't perfect every single day and they're not happy every single day. And I think it's good for people to see that. So they're not like, oh, like, you know, she's such a better pet owner than me or whatnot. So that's always, you know, it people connect with that. And I love that. Yeah. And I will say one more thing is that there are, you know, days where, um, you know, I can post something and um, somebody won't like it, um, you know, and I always say you can't you can't make everyone happy and you can't make everyone like you. Um, so there's just um, like the brushing things off, too, um, which is hard for me to do. And like um, we always say water off of a duck's back, just <laughs> let it roll right off. And um, yeah, so you can't make everyone happy and uh, you and you know your dog too. Um, you know it better than the strangers that are, you know, sending you DMs about about it. And um, you just gotta focus on what's important, and that you know them, and you want what's best for them, and and not get hung up on the nitty gritty like that. Yes, and I've actually, it's funny you say that, I've done a lot of photographs for people who have a large social media following here in Pittsburgh, and they've all, while taking photos, have said something like, oh, I'm sure I'll get a comment about this, or, you know, and it's just, I guess you don't want to be reassured at someone else's expense, but at the same time, it's reassuring to know that it's not just you people are nitpicking at, like, they literally do it, everyone experiences it, so... Yes, for sure. Yeah, you just can't, you can't let it get to you. And yeah, as someone with like high anxiety about it, um, it's just something that I've, I've learned and to, you know, I don't, I don't read into it. And I, I just know that, you know, Ivy's asleep, dead asleep right now on my couch. And I know that she lives a wonderful life. And yeah, it, you just can't let it bother you. Yeah, that's awesome advice. Well, that kind of bridges into our, um, you know, last two topics, which I'm going to ask you about. But I know you're very open with your anxiety on social media and you talk about a little bit here and there. And it seems like to me, you kind of do connect it to having Winston Ivy. I know there's been a lot of experiences I've been through where, you know, without my dogs, it's like there's just something um, about them that 
really does help with mental health. Like I truly believe that in therapy dogs and service dogs. Um, so how have they helped you with your anxiety and different struggles you've had? Um, and then also you use them a lot. You know, I think you give back by talking about your anxiety. So that's one way, but then you use them, um, or have them go along with you to give back to the community. I know you do big brothers, big sisters. It seems like you bring them along with you a lot. And then I think you also, do you do volunteer work with Ivy's Rescue still? Yes, yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'll start um, first with um, the anxiety piece. Um, so I I guess I call it logistical anxiety or, like, social anxiety. So um, I, I like, I'm really weird about certain things. So I'll tell you an example that just happened today um, because it's, it's pretty comical and um, yeah, it's, but it, it was stressing me out so bad today. Um, but so the dogs just hit 10,000 followers. Okay. So I've been like, <laughs> I've been really excited about it uh, for weeks that cause I knew it was going to happen and I had like something all planned out and I was really pumped. So I go to party city city today um, and I, go in with the intention that I'm going to get a one balloon, a zero balloon and a K balloon. So, and I knew this, I told everyone I was going to do this and I go into the sales associate and I tell her, okay, I want a one and a zero. And I get to like, I'm about to say the K and I just like suddenly freeze. And I like my mind just like starts spiraling and I'm like, okay, if I say a K, she's going to know that this isn't for a 10 year old. She's going to be like, what is this for? Uh, she's going to be like, weird. You have a dog account. Um, this and start like asking all these questions about me. And um, then, so then I didn't say the K and I just said one and zero and it's, really silly that I even like worry about that because I'm really proud of this account. You know, I feel like I've worked really hard on it and, and, and also it doesn't matter if she thinks I'm crazy or weird. It, that doesn't matter. She's just a sales associate who's supposed to provide a service to me. Right. Um, so I like froze at the K and I was like, yeah, I'm not telling her that I'm not going to get a K. And, um, so I like got in my car and I left party city and then like immediately I get in my car and I start like hating myself. And I'm like, why were you not like just strong enough to ask for the thing that you wanted and get it? Um, but I wasn't. And I like immediately, immediately start texting Nathan. And I'm like, I couldn't get the K. I couldn't order the K. And he's like, why didn't you ask for it? And I was just like, I don't know. Like I, got super nervous about it and yeah and that's just like one example of like something that can happen to me like I'll just like uh if like if I'm in a public place or like say they mess up my food order or like I have to or anything um it's just like you you just can't help it and you just like almost can't overpower it either um and it's just like a piece that's there but so, yeah. Um, I love that I, you just shared yeah, that ahead. example, though, because, I mean, <laughs> I think everyone with anxiety has, like, different triggers. And just, to, like, even though someone might not have the same triggers, you, like you said, just thinking about what she would think about you saying K because she would think, you know, it wasn't for a child or whatever. But that in itself, you know, was your trigger. And just, I think, your reaction to it and how it kind of you know, your day now is not the same. You were so excited about something. And I don't think people always understand how crippling anxiety can be. And, you know, that's a huge moment in your life. Like you've worked so hard for this account. And I think that's so amazing, you know, that you share stuff like that and use examples and people can just, I hope, you know, if someone with anxiety is listening to this, like that can really, either make them feel not alone or it might hit home for them. I just think it's so important for people to hear those kinds of stories just to feel like, you know, there there's other people out there that are dealing with the same things and they're not alone. So I, yeah, yeah I totally yeah. like can relate to that in a different way, but that's, 
right. amazing that you can share it, but not amazing that it's happening to you, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. And for the longest time, I, I never talked about it. Like I never told anyone that I was feeling this way um, about F, like daily things that I would have to do in my life um, and I was just like I would keep it in and um, but I've realized and like the Instagram account has helped me realize this that like the more I talk about it um, the more that other people tell me that wow I feel the exact same way or yes like this happened to me when I went to this store or this happened to me at this work meeting and so uh, the more I've talked about it, the more I've realized I'm not alone. Um, and like these people realize they aren't alone. And um, yeah, my big thing is that the more we talk about mental health and anxiety, the less of a stigma it is. And then like people can get the help that they need um, and not because it is so common. Um, and yeah. And the sooner we keep talking about it, um, the sooner we can get help. So, um, and then with the dog. So if I had my choice, <laughs> I would gladly stay at home like all day. Um, yeah. I would never leave my house and like that would be super easy for me, um, to just be here and not go outside, uh, <laughs> which sounds great. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I would be perfectly happy that way. And, um, but the dogs, like, they can't do that. Um, they have to go out. They have to um, be active. We have to go on hikes. They have to go experience new things um, just for their um, mentality. They love doing new and different things, and it keeps them, you know, happy and uh, so my love for them trumps my anxiety. Um, it just bottom line is I will give them what they need and that, um, will see me through all the anxious feelings that I have, um, on a daily basis. And, and yeah, I, you know, I talked about this earlier, but this, the setters and bathrooms thing. So I, believe that you know they come visit me in the bathroom every morning because that's when I'm getting ready to leave the house for the day and I think that's when I'm most anxious um and they know it um so they stick right with me and they're just like there when I need them the most and so I think they are like their own kind of therapy dog for me um, so yeah, I, I think they're, they're pretty special, but yeah. I and, that too, yeah. Just to like validate that, um, you know, I'm always every once in a while messaging you dog books I read, but I yeah. read a book by a, um, service dog trainer and a lot of like PTSD service dogs are trained to do that exact thing. Like if they sense their owner having like a flashback or something where they are like going into a zone of high anxiety or having a panic attack, they're um, trained to like nudge their arm or like, you know, basically not leave their owner alone until they start petting them. And then the petting them gets their mind off of the thought um, that's triggering them or whatever it might be. And so, yeah, like I think they probably do sense it. They don't know scientifically what they sense or how they can do that, but it is proven that, you know, they're able to do it. So. so they're, they're just so important to me and my everyday life. And, um, about back to your question about like the nonprofits that, um, we work with, um, so yeah, Big Brothers Big Sisters is a, a really important one to me. Um, yeah, I I was super shy as a kid, and um, but yeah, couldn't I could barely function um, with certain things. Like I uh, wouldn't talk to anyone, and I had some really good mentors in my life that um, you know they didn't get paid for it, and but they just really cared about me and. Um, yeah, and I probably wouldn't have a job today if it wasn't for them because I just I couldn't function um, talking to other people, <laughs> and um, yeah, and so Big Brothers Big Sisters is a mentoring uh, program, and I have a, a little, and I'm a big, and 
Uh, her name is Gracie, and she's 10 years old, and she loves dogs, um, loves dogs so, so much. And so we're a pretty good match. Um, but, yeah, she's had some challenges in her life, and uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters is all about um, having kids reach their full potential. So um, the dogs um, and I, we hang out with Gracie a couple times a month, and uh, we just do a whole bunch of different things all the time. And, um, she, she's really, you know, nervous meeting new people and meeting kids her own age. And, um, the dogs are, you know, kind of that connecting, uh, factor where she feels comfortable with them, um, and to, you know, talk and express herself. And, um, yeah, we do so many different things with them and, um, they're just so good with her and they love seeing her and, uh, yeah. And then, um, I also am a pretty active volunteer with OESR, um, IV's rescue. So, um, we fostered a few dogs, um, for them. And then we also help transport dogs from place to place. And then we screen future adopters. Um, and yeah. And then we also just primarily um, with Winston's account we just really push um, the rescue and try to you know, like give it more exposure and um, and also we try to raise like gobs and gobs of money for them um, <laughs> through different things just um, you know always just trying to uh, kind of go it goes back to like what little bubs owner said like what's the point if we're not doing something good with it so yeah, like, what's the point of Winston's account if we're not um, doing something good? So we just try to, you know, raise a lot of money for a good cause. And, yeah, and we just, because they gave us Ivy, too, we just kind of feel the need that we owe them. <laughs> like, we need to we need to give back because she's such an important piece of our lives. Yeah. I love that, yeah. And I love that Big Brother Big Sisters lets you include the dogs as well. Um I don't know that I'm not an emotional person, but just hearing like how much she loves the dogs and the dogs love her. It's just amazing, like how they can connect with people and the difference, you know, they can make in people's lives. So it's so cool. Yeah. Well, I have so many other questions I want to ask you, but I want to keep this within an hour. So <laughs> we'll go ahead and ask you the fun one um, that I have at the end. But Tell us your funniest um, or cutest or most unique story that you have about Winston and Ivy or one or the other or both of them, whatever you can think of. Gosh, yeah. So I was thinking about this. There's just so many different stories um, that I could tell you guys. Um, they're just, they're hilarious dogs. Um, it's every day they're doing something different, but um, gosh. Yeah, um, the day that Ivy brought in that dead squirrel into our house um, was, uh, it was both terrifying and disgusting, um, but yeah, she, one day I woke up and I let Ivy out for just a minute and um, she came back in and I didn't really notice anything and, but yeah, she had this a dead squirrel in her mouth that she had killed out in the yard and she brought it in and just laid it on my rug in my living room. And I did a double take and I looked at it and I immediately went and got Nathan cause I thought it was still alive and I was scared that it was going to run around our house. And, um, yeah, she just sat by it and she was so proud of it. Uh, and she wouldn't leave it. And yeah, that was her. Um, but there's, there's always something like that going on in our house. And, um, but one of the coolest things, um, that happened recently is, um, we'll be out in public with the dogs or, or we won't even have the dogs. Maybe it's just Nathan and I alone, like out in town and, uh, people will just come up to us and they'll say, are you Winston's mom? Are you pop up? And, uh, oh, and it happens like probably, you know, once a month now, um, strangers that we don't know will just come up to us and, you know, they follow the dogs and, um, sometimes we'll be walking 
down the sidewalk at a farmer's market or something and people will yell out Winston's name and they'll be like Winston and you know <laughs> just driving by and he just is so proud of it and he's just wagging his tail and um yeah walking with just <laughs> being so cocky walking down the street but uh, it's just been really cool um to connect with these people that I don't even know and that's one thing is like, if you come talk to me about my dog, I'm just, I'm so happy about it. Um, it's my favorite topic. Um, and I'll talk to you forever about it. So yeah, it's been really cool having them. And it's, it's so cool that people have loved these dogs. Like I love them and it's, it's been amazing. I love that. That's so neat that people are like starting to recognize you out at Naval. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it was so awesome talking to you and I'm definitely having you back on again. So with new questions, there's some other things I think would be cool for you to talk about, uh, maybe with like the rescue scene and things like that. I volunteer with Oakley's rescue and it's so interesting. Like people don't realize why rescues are so strict and some of the things you have to go through. (laughs) So I think that would maybe be a cool episode. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed Emily's interview as much as I did. And I hope you'll tune in for next week's episode of Pet Human Tales. It's going to be another great one. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.